Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-host Joanna Belson. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill and Joanna discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. We are honored to be sitting here with Maha Huck, whose name I have been working on. <laughs> Thank you very much. For those who are wondering, the name is partly... It's Indian and Arabic, so it's both in Hindi and uh, Arabic. And it's... um. <laughs> It, it's lovely, as indeed are you, and oh, you have, as you. indeed do so many people who come on this show, a story of how you got involved in cannabis. Can you give us a story? Oh, oh, of course. Okay, so I started in the cannabis space about eight years ago now. Um, I used to say seven, now we're reaching eight. Um, I... I guess my unofficial start was when I was 17. Uh, I was caught smoking pot by my mom, who's- Were we all? <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, everyone yeah. has that story. Uh, she's, a cl- she's a clinical researcher at City of Hope Cancer Center. And she told me, write a report. You have to prove to me that this is not that bad compared to what other kids are doing. And she loved it. She loved the report. And she's like, I have a couple patients who wanna know more about cannabis therapy. Why don't you come in? And I was volunteering at the hospital at the time. So I held a seminar, a couple patients showed up. And since then I'm like, you know what? I think when I turn 18, I'm gonna work at a dispensary and do this as a job. And uh, this was this was still, uh, I guess, oop, <laughs> pre-ICO days and um, did not have, uh, I guess, more infrastructure for dispensaries back then. Oh, should I pause or is it? Okay. (laughs) Um, So I joined a dispensary. I started off as a bud tender when I was 18. This was 2012. Um, First thing I noticed is they only hired female bud tenders. It was a very sexist environment. You never saw women in management. And I took that as an opportunity uh, for change. Um, they were, my, my coworkers were scantily clad. The manager was telling me to wear all similar clothing as well. I wouldn't have it. I didn't like it. So I went up the management, uh, rankings and I'm like, we're shutting this type of system down. Good for just, you. Yeah. Just, we need to hire some, some male butt tenders. We need to not have these weird uniforms. So we changed it. And this was obviously pre-ICO days, so there wasn't these work uh, labor um, regulations set in place. So, you know, it, it's, it was a great experience uh, from dispensary management. I did that for three years. I went into, uh, what did I go into next? Oh man, uh, I, w- I went into a delivery tech startup. I did a bunch of, uh, I guess, ca- customer support, but more so education. I wrote a um, I wrote a lot of literature for patients, so that was a very interesting time. After that, I did uh, cannabis business license applications. So I did business development, and that was a very, very awesome experience. But I felt like I was not paying attention to my studies as I was working full time. So that's when I created Canna Club uh, at UCLA when I was attending. I wanted to combine my my full-time work schedule with my full-time school schedule and just bring it together and bring it to the students who didn't know anything I was doing. They were like, what, I don't even know what job you're doing. So I made the effort, got with a couple other students who were interested and uh, 
we have about 2,000 students now. So just yeah. at UCLA or um, in SoCal. Okay. So we uh, so Canna Club we started two years ago uh, at UCLA. We're at USC as well, UC Santa Barbara, other UCs in the area. Um, as well as uh, all the way in the East Coast at Tufts, University of Central Florida, and University of Maryland, where I'm a grad student right now. Um, so, yeah. That's so cool. I was the unofficial head of my cannabis club at Emory University in Atlanta. Awesome. And I did the same thing. I got a couple friends together. <laughs> but no, seriously, okay, it's very help, cool. Help me out with what a canna club is. I mean, <laughs> you know, we would have, oh, I don't know, maybe beer drinking clubs, but a canna club, I sort of think of the same thing. It's like, you know, you all get together and hey, I just got some good stuff in from Mendocino. What, what is it? So canna club... So as a cannabis student group, we promote education, we are advocates of the space, as well as we provided uh, opportunities to students interested in the industry. So our tagline is education, uh, advocacy, opportunity. So we're focusing more Not on party. Well, our socials can be fun, <laughs> 21 and over only. But uh, we really focus on destigmatizing the space. We really want to be at the forefront of getting the future, the younger the people, the youth to be more accepting of this. Because you'd be surprised there are some young people who do have, you know, not so favorable views on cannabis and we're also aiming to talk to our parents about it, our professors, really anyone. I feel like as a student, you can speak with anyone and you'll be heard out in some way. And What's that, the university's point of view? How do they respond to you? We, so we didn't, initially we did not get the support um, to start a club. I wanted to start it, you know, four years ago. We did not uh, get the approval until rec legalization. So there's there's a wine club at UCLA as well as other universities. There's a beer club as well. So why not a cannabis club? So once the recreational legalization happened, then the administration said, "Okay, we can't really stop you. Go for it." That's so, great because I'm sure they do get some federal funding yeah. that could make them a exactly. Bit more yeah, the um, um, I was actually at, at UCLA for a lecture on on cannabis and cancer, nice. and um, the doctor made a point that they could not accept funding from any of the cannabis companies right because they were part of the university so when i ask you how the university responds you know universities have long been somewhat retro in terms of their thinking mm-hmm. exactly about, about numerous things but certainly this this being one of them yeah so i mean are you like an official an, an official university group yes we are officially we're registered um we are in the system we do get the support of the administration uh we do have access to campus resources that's our goal is to be as legitimate as possible in the campus setting uh there are some canna clubs that are running unofficially and that's typically at campuses like for example georgetown they are a private catholic university they have a lot of uh, they they're very against it so they're they're kind of running underground unofficially, but we do want to push for legitimacy. Well, with it's our like presence. when I was in college, they had fraternities or sororities that were yeah. on campus, and then there was a few that were off campus. So it's a similar concept. They were like the exactly. animal houses. No, they were just unofficial <laughs> because something happened many years ago, or you know, just yeah. some weird nuance. But you know, our our main uh, I guess goal was to have classes, academic cannabis classes, and we presented 
a Cannabis 101 series last year. Uh, it had five classes, uh, interdisciplinary classes. Um, and then again, this year we had another set of uh, a whole growing 101 curriculum. Uh, with a licensed cannabis brand. I think we did it with THC Design. So we are always trying to push for classes. So we've had 10 classes so far, um, and one has gotten approved uh, as an actual UC credit class. So it's a process. So when I'm looking through my course book, I've enrolled, I'm a freshman, I can enroll in this one cannabis class if I'm you yes, know, there's room. That's so cool. It's a regulation. It's a regulations class. That's it's awesome. a public policy regulation okay. class. Um, but it, it's it's definitely a process. So but, are you teaching the class? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not teaching the class. But we did pick out you know professors and other professionals within the industry who are already working at UCLA to teach these classes. Like we have a professor Brad Rowe, we've had uh, Dr. Jeff Chen, we've had these people teach our classes and it's been a great partnership since. And um, now moving forward, I'm in a graduate program, the first ever graduate program for cannabis uh, studies. So it is the uh, Master's of Science in Medical Cannabis Sciences and Therapeutics uh, at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. So this That's is so cool. nation's first cannabis graduate program, first cohort. Yeah. Um, is <laughs> cannabis um, legalized in Maryland? So they started their uh, program, their education program, once medical started in Maryland. Right. So it coincided with that. And the actual, uh, the program, the campus where it's located is right next to where the FDA is headquartered, oh, right funny. next to where the NIH uh, is headquartered as well. So we're under a microscope uh, or magnifying glass rather right now and uh, being observed and, you know, all of our moves are being uh, kind of taken note by them. So because we probably will be uh, contributing to their research yeah. efforts and, you know, it's, it's interesting to be on that education, yeah. academia side. Well, when I ask about uh, whether your university sanctions, you know, UC, uh, UC has various branches around the state. I'm not quite sure how many. But they're not in all in cannabis-friendly areas. Um, you know, so it, it's like I, you're, you're in Los Angeles, or you are in Los Angeles. <laughs> Certainly, this has been here in San Francisco. I've been two of the hotbeds, as it were, two of the more, you know, that understanding communities. Um, you go out there perhaps to Davis, it's not so understanding. Well, that's where Dr. Rob got his PhD. It was Davis? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Do you know Dr. Rob? Yes, I do. And um, actually, uh, at UC Davis, there is a, a plant chemistry uh, class that will be coming up, a cannabis plant chemistry oh, so class. They are, they are okay. they're, they're definitely trying there. Um, and it's, it's definitely a process. They're going to try making it an online class so they can meet with meet meet halfway with the administration. So yes, there are issues, there are sa sanctions. Um, we've even as a club, we've been threatened to be shut down only because some research uh, grants will be pulled off or something like that. It's it's been very political, but you know this process has taught me how to uh, navigate through the. Academic, academic politics and bureaucracy, rather. And it's it's very complex, but uh, UCLA Cannabis Research Initiative, where I also worked at for a point, um, they just got $3.5 in uh, NIH funding for uh, cannabis research. 
So there's progress being made, and I'm, I'm pretty sure NIH yes. gave money for cannabis research. Yes, I thought that stuff was so hard. shut down. Very hard. It was with the Dr. Ziva Cooper. She is researching on uh, cannabis pain. Uh, I mean, can, uh, cannabis offering pain relief, uh, varying uh, between male and female uh, response. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, it was great being part of the Cannabis Research Initiative as well. So I'm glad to see that progress is now being made. Now what is CannaSafe? Okay, CannaSafe. So that's, uh, I just recently joined uh, their team as their education administrator. I am leading their education initiative. Uh, part so of, we're going to be new best friends. Yes, mm. of like it's it's been a great experience i'm so happy there are cannabis companies and brands uh wanting to have uh education uh be a huge part of their company just corporate responsibility social corporate responsibility efforts and i'm so about it that's what we do at canna club we want to educate we're a nonprofit. so when canna safe approached me and said hey we want to be a responsible corporate cannabis company like we want to educate people uh, especially during this vape crisis that's been going on that's when i joined and it was it it, it worked perfectly because i worked on their vape report uh, and they did a vape report with nbc news uh, and we we tested uh, legal carts obviously alongside uh, illicit carts and that was a great yeah. piece i saw it and you, you must tell us the results oh man Not oh, hanging yeah, yeah. Here. oh of course yeah and You'll be hearing this uh, from Antonio Frazier in, in a few weeks, my boss. So uh, so what happened is we tested uh, 10 illicit carts. All of them tested for pesticides. All of them tested specifically for microbutanil. Uh, and when you vaporize or combust, burn microbutanil, it turns into hydrogen cyanide. And, uh, and other, uh, yeah. <laughs> and as we all know, we don't want cyanide. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and you know, hydrogen uh, oxide, all these crazy chemicals are uh, just coming out from these illicit vapes. Some of them uh, have, uh, were also tested for vitamin E acetate, which has been uh, confirmed by the CDC that this is causing um, lung injuries, lung illnesses. So it's, we found these results, oops, sorry. We found these results before the CDC publicly released that statement. And you know, I guess as it's our job as a cannabis testing lab, even as just a cannabis uh, ally to report this. What and about the legitimate stuff? So all, they all passed. They okay. all passed uh, according to BCC regulations. They so CannaSafe has become like the standard of testing all these cartridges. And I think you have a program that anyone can send in a cart that they have in question and have it tested. Well, we're we're still working on that. Okay. We're still working on that, but we 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 do test illicit carts. If someone is feeling unsafe about a cart, we would test it. Um, it, it is a bit hard to get an um, to get a I guess a solid result nowadays because uh, temperature is also in question. So you have these vape batteries who are not uh, vape cart uh, vape pen batteries that are not. Uh, calibrated properly with the ones the safe that look voltage. like a bomb that someone's it's, holding and walking down the street and exactly. then like a huge plume of smoke comes out of your mouth and they're like what exactly is how do you know if your cartridge is legit or not where you purchase it well yes and no but no. how do you know that 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 you're 
your dispensary is selling legit ones. Because your dispensary better be selling legit ones because they will lose all credibility and, and their licenses you know and their life savings. There's, there's, there's Joe. There's Joe's cartridges. They look pretty good. They're at a decent place. How do you know? Voltage. So the recommended voltage, voltage for uh, a vape is around three. Uh, 3.5 would be the the highest if you go above that voltage you're going to start burning but how do you know that how do you find that one out so most mo- say it on the side does it it doesn't say it on the side but it should say on the packaging but hopefully what- you buy like so usually if you buy x brand you could also perhaps potentially buy their battery when you're buying it so they'll give you yeah. a battery and you're assuming the battery works perfectly with their cartridges you're hoping not to, assuming well if they want to be a reputable company quickly they'll be weeded out pun intended um, if they're selling products that are crappy on the market. You know? I mean, remember, this, there's a lot of the reasons there are those of us who have put our vape pens in a drawer is that the image of those kids with um, many tubes yeah. coming out of their bodies is very distressing. And indeed, it makes me it makes you worry as well about just using pre-rolls. You the know, is it, indig- smoke, is it smoke all told that's the problem? You know, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm not you know a twenty something who can handle getting his lungs burned. I get my lungs burned at this point, and I'm pretty much I'm baked. I'm done. Yeah. So it's the regulations in the industry. It, California has such strict regulations that you have to have faith that whatever you're purchasing in a legal shop is legal. Faith ain't enough to well, keep people, me but, healthy. But put yourself in the store owners. You're not going to sell an illegal cartridge in your store and risk your entire... It's not so much about faith. It's really a COA, the Certificate of Analysis. That tells you everything to the decimal point. It will tell you how much of each pesticide is in there, if there is any, but there shouldn't be any, how much of certain oils or heavy metals, everything. So the BCC also uh, implemented uh, four more testing uh, points uh, earlier this year. So there's always constant changes and updates whenever there are situations like this from our state. So at, at CannaSafe, we just want to really promote uh, buying legal because they pass. Yeah. <laughs> So every cartridge in a store will have a certificate of authenticity yeah. that goes with it. So but here's look, and it's a third party. It's not tested by the company who makes it or the dispensary. So, with the way they set it up, if the wine industry, um, someone was saying this earlier today, if the wine industry was set up like cannabis, no one would be in business selling wine anymore because uh-huh. Uh-huh. they couldn't afford to grow the grapes, etc. Yeah. It would yeah. be just so costly. Maha, do you mm-hmm. ever go to McDonald's? <laughs> Guilty pleasure. Okay. <laughs> so somewhere somewhere on the walls or somewhere around there they've got their nutritional breakdown. Yeah. Tells you all the all the numbers, everything. How many people do you think read that when they go into McDonald's for I do. I know how many well, my big Mac has. <laughs> To be honest, I don't. Yeah, no, nobody does. The people who go to McDonald's for their egg McMuffin aren't concerned about their being about the numbers of what they're eating. And I have the same sense that the people who who buy pods mm-hmm. you know who are, who are smoking or vaping um they're not spending a lot of time checking out the label some of right. us are i am you guys are you know uh, joanna phil but the rest of <laughs> you know the rest of them they're not and and indeed most of them don't even know what that means yes education is essential but in the meantime we could wind up with kids with tubes coming out of their heads but i think you're seeing like mainstream news stories 
pulling yeah. comp- showing the rest of the world. That's the problem. It's these news stories with inaccurate information. And then when you look at the special well, that remember, we're a lot of the news stories to, are, are panic stories. Correct. They yeah. want your you know, attention. It's, it's and like, they it's want like you, to... you know, um, I mean, the image of the kids, once again, with, right. I say it too many times, with the tubes coming out of their head, well, I panic. So like, I can't get a straw anywhere, but I can buy a gun. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it's, it's interesting because the majority of people who are dealing with the Ivali electronic vape uh, associated lung illnesses, they're between the ages of 18 and 34. So it's millennials who right. are the majority. I believe over 60 percent of the cases are in that age group. And it's really attributed to cheap costs, easy access. Yeah. And what I guess at Canna Club, at Canna Safe, we're going to universities. We're telling students like, hey, you're you're going to get really sick. And we've had a couple students get sick at USC, at UCLA, uh, smoke uh, vaping those illicit cards. So there are students who are seeing other students go through this and kind of learning from that. Forty seven people have died from this. So it is alarming. And I guess my job is to bring awareness to that. And um, instead of just having faith in it, we are doing actual, uh, I guess, reports, research reports, and trying to bring that information to mainstream news and really anyone who'd benefit from it. So. You know, it's not just dying. I mean, it's dying, but, you know, the number of people who have died is far fewer than the number of people who have died from, from, from gunshots. Yes, you know, by, of by course. A, a t- it's a tiny, tiny fraction. It's almost insignificant. You know, uh, fewer than the number of people who have died, you know, jaywalking. Um, but, you know, I also, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life, um, coughing and, and sucking on Simbacort and just having, having breathing issues. It's the lesser things. Now I do know that there was one, there was one news report on a kid whose family was suing the manufacturer, Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, untold millions. And, you know, among the things that the report mentioned was that a kid was, he was taking, he was taking... Over 200 inhalations a day. Wow. Well, you know, you go out and you eat 10 pounds of, um, of Kit Kats and you gain weight. You shouldn't be suing the Kit Kat manufacturer. Right. Yeah. You what know, that was, that was a little over the in? top. Yeah. I, I worry that it's not just being over the top. It's just, you know, a simple a, a toke here and a toke there. And I, you know, I understand. Go legit. And what you're doing is, is blessed work. And thank you for that. <laughs> But I just, Thank I hope you. people pay attention to it. Yeah, that's, you know. There's a whole campaign going amongst the cannabis people. You're probably not targeted, but to make sure you're shopping legal yeah. and only going to uh, stores that sell tested products. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I go to Trader Joe. Believe me, I'm reading the labels on every on every bottle. You know, it's like I'm a crazy person. But, yeah. you know, they, they've, they've got all the calories, cholesterol, et cetera, on. So, you know, sodium is too much, too much sodium. I don't want this product. <laughs> What's true? You know, too much sugar. No, I don't want that one. No, okay. Um, I want to know, know how <laughs> you start a canna club at your own university if you're interested. How do people who are listening? Oh, of course. So um, so we, I mentioned earlier we started two years ago. So the process of starting was you go to your school administration, like student activity, student affairs administration, and you apply. But what we do now, since we're so spread out, we help other students make it. We have templatized our constitution and bylaws and and we will walk through a new university or a new uh, a new university chapter through that whole process it's become so easy now which has which which kind of explains why we're at 11 universities within yeah. a year and a half and across the nation so we've 
And made it very there easy. There is a, a a universality to people who use. You know, not everyone exactly, but, but there are there are probably as many people who who use cannabis of that age group mm-hmm. um, as there are people who drink gin and tonics. Well, what's know? the yeah. percentage of college students that drink versus smoke cannabis? So you know, we're so I'm seeing a shift. I saw a shift. Um, a lot of students are even saying like, I would rather smoke instead of be passed out from drinking so much at a frat party. So there is definitely some attitudes changing within, I guess, the college community in terms of partying. Like alcohol is not as favorable anymore, I'm noticing, which is great. I am so much in support of that. Alcohol has the potential of being much more unsafe than cannabis. But when you're dealing with students that are under 21, they they obviously have access to alcohol. They are asking their older classmates or older frat brothers or sorority sisters to buy them alcohol. So, you know, with cannabis, it's it's not the older friend that's giving them the products. It's these illicit dispensaries, illicit uh, delivery services. There's delivery services that come all the way to your dorm room. That and that's 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 not legal we would be excited for domino's pizza now it's like <laughs> i wonder if it's not, being an official cannabis club can you put it on your meal card <laughs> and indeed you're right about and they still do drink my daughter recently turned 21 and um boy did she get like wasted that <laughs> night she went out with a bunch oh, of friends yeah. and they just like i we always said don't mix alcohol she mixed everything the oh, next gosh. day she was like friends were like walking her around with with paper bags you know, had you smoked a little dope, it wouldn't have been so so rough. Um, I'll tell you my one of my drinking stories. I was on the floor of Arts Deli in New York City, which wasn't clean. I was oh so I had alcohol poisoning. I had to have lunch with my parents and then get on a pl- flight to L.A. It was horrible. I either needed like a joint to smoke or Gatorade. Someone brought me Gatorade. Yep. My dad drove me to the airport and I got on the plane and I made it. But like. After that, I never wanted to drink again. I was probably like, wow. my sister's 30th birthday, so it was a long time ago. But my parents oh, said I was man. green. Yeah. But oh, I was laying gosh. on the bathroom floor of the restaurant. I did not eat brunch with them that day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I man. I can imagine. Yes. Um, how has your mother's attitude changed eight years later? She's at City of Hope Cancer, as you said. Yeah. And, and the studies that have suggested, and they're always suggesting, that there's a strong cancer relate, relationship between cannabis and cancer. Indeed, you, you mentioned a doctor before at, um, at UCLA um, who, who spoke. I went to a seminar that he spoke at. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your mother's attitude changed? Oh, man. So my mom is, is an immigrant. You know, she she was very strict and quite against cannabis before, um, especially since, you know, I'm I'm Indian Pakistani. India has is, is known for cannabis as well. Cannabis Indica, the name Indica itself sure. derives from India. Um, it's very cultural, traditional thing, but there's so much stigma there, too. Um, so my mom was very hesitant of how my career would pro- uh, progress and if I could get far in it, especially in the sciences. So I guess since then, she has really taken the initiative to read a lot of reports related to cancer. Uh, what she specifically does is stem cell transplantation, bone marrow, yeah, stuff. It's crazy. Like, I can't, 
comprehend what she does. But she is very interested in bone growth potential from uh, certain cannabinoids, I think, were found to do that. I believe it was either CBN or some some CB is promoting. <laughs> there, there, there are many CBs. Yes, we, don't, we really do not know how many There's there There's a lot. Uh, very, well, we know CBD and a little CBN. CBG. And beyond that, we know nothing about the others. Yes, and CBG especially is very interesting to research right now. And my mom has been very uh, up to date. She, I, I, she sends me links. It's great to have her have that type of dialogue with her now. And um, even like, the rest of my family, they are way more supportive and uh, they love that I am pushing for education. Their priority has always been education for me. So I connected what I like to do with education. And that's kind of what I'm going to try to do for as long as I can. Um, I, I really like the idea of creating classes. I did that at UCLA. I am taking cannabis classes right now. It's I, I really enjoy learning what I like to do. So, you know, I like to smoke and, you know, I'm, I'm, I love learning about what I'm smoking. Go, go, back, go back a few seconds there. You, you spoke about your mother's attitude. How about the hospital's attitude? Oh, so I know. As an institution. It's, as an institution, I, it is a private hospital and it's quite open-ended. Um, they are, uh, they are funded by some, uh, uh, I guess, some doctors and people in Israel. So I believe there is a connection to that. They are a bit more open to it. My goal right now is to try to do a health fair, a community health fair at, at City of Hope and other hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dr. Jundial, he is, he's, he's some, he's an executive, I think, in City of Hope. I'm not sure what his position is, but he's a neurosurgeon and he's been very interested in uh, cancer therapy for head injuries. Um, and that's what's also being researched at UC Irvine. And I know the hospital has partnerships with some UCs. They have a partnership with the uh, City of Hope has a partnership with USC. And USC is like we, we have a can of club there. We really want to connect some dots and try to bring a collective uh, effort and acceptance going on. So it's I don't have a solid stuff. answer. Wonderful. <laughs> I think so. what, what was was there a question in your ear? Uh, we wanted to talk just more about the PhD program or the master's program yeah. at University of Maryland and how you found that. And- oh, man. Well, I, I don't even know how I found it. I think they just really reached out to uh, on a lot of platforms. I saw them on LinkedIn. I saw them on Forbes News. They were on a lot of news platforms. Um, but... They only uh, accepted 150 people for this first cohort. About 600 people applied. Wow. Very, yeah, it, it, it was very popular uh, as expected. You know, the, the program directors did not expect this type of turnout. Um, the classes I'm taking, it's like cannabinoid pharmacology, pharmacokinetics. Uh, there's even testing methodology classes. But our first class was on regulations, history, and policy, which is a very, I guess, uh, easy class for other schools to accept, like UCLA. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like that they're making it very interdisciplinary as well, even though it is a science-heavy, pharmacy-heavy uh, curriculum and uh, off, uh, course offerings, it's still br- teaching about history. It's still uh, teaching about the whole background of what's happened with cannabis, even the war on drugs and mentioning really, I guess, all the bad things that have happened with cannabis uh, instead of just focusing on the sciences. So I've been really enjoying that. That's yeah. great. 
That's, that's, <laughs> so this is serious. This is not, um, uh, you know, for happy stoners. No, no. No, <laughs> no there, it's it, it's a very diverse cohort. We have doctors, nurses, even farm like pharmacists in my program. Yeah, I think people yeah. are yearning for this information. They don't know where to turn. They see yeah. a university that's accredited. It has an online program, so it makes it very accessible for people. Can they yeah. just hear about it on their website? Yeah. So their website, uh, it's on univer- uh, umaryland.edu. And it's like the same tuition costs as regular university classes? Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a two-year program. It's 25K. Um, it's like an average master's yeah. uh, program. I, I've, I think I'm benefiting a lot from it. And I give a lot of credit to uh, the program founders, uh, Dr. Leah, Sarah, and Lisa Finn. It's great to see... Uh, women being in charge of this as well. I love that. Um, at UCLA, it's kind of a boys' club at the moment, uh, and I well, the I, whole cannabis industry really. Yeah, is. exactly. But you know, my goal is I'd love to teach at UCLA. You know, and go back to my alma mater. And you will, you will, Mahahawk. Thank you very much <laughs> for the time you. you spent with us. You are, you are a marvel. This was just an absolute joy. And we'll talk about food again. Oh, if, of if course. The show ends. What's the website for Canna Club? Uh, for Canna Club, it is uh, Canna Club at UCLA.org. Uh, and for USC, it's also Canna Club at USC.org. Uh, on Instagram, we're uh, Canna Club.UCLA, Canna Club.USC.UCSB. You get the idea. And for me, it is M A Z E H A Q, Maze Hug. I can be reached out there. And uh, yeah, I'm so happy to have been here. Very, very fun experience. <laughs> it's Meryl Schindler. It's Joanna Belson. It's Phil Giangrande. It's High in the Hog. We'll catch you next week. High in the Hog, it's your one place to find information about medical cannabis, about the stuff that's really the talk of the world. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Amazon. Find us on the internet. High in the Hog, the podcast.com. That's High in the Hog, the podcast.com. Tell a friend.